0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: Ah, summer. What power you have to make us suffer and like it. This is AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramia Amuddin, here with Nasreen Abdel-Majid, and the quote that you heard at the intro of the show is by Russell Baker, and we're asking this question throughout July, well, with these quotes. What is July anyway? How do we feel about it? Where do we go? And um, we've hit some interesting points with these quotes, some of them being just celebratory and lovely, as some of us feel about the month of July. And then others take us to a deeper place, uh, somewhere where maybe you feel a bit more nostalgic and sad, even. Uh, reflective is another way to think about it Um, and today's quote is really just where are we where are we when we're in July are you really in summer are you in winter and it kind of flips it a little bit for me too and I think when I'm in winter do I feel like I could be in July can I get to that point of being maybe if the house is hot enough but I don't know I don't know i i I'm too far from winter now to even think about that, but not all of us uh, feel that way, so let's keep moving to the Sela home page. We love to take a glance at this uh from C-E-L-A-Library.ca And that, of course, is the Center for Equitable Library Access. We have The Girl in the Middle by Ayanese Granovsky. This is a biography. As well as Love That Story, Observations from a Gorgeously Queer Life by Jonathan Van Ness. Humor and Anthologies. The last title up there is Still Just a Geek by Will Wheaton. And Humor, Family and Relationships and Autobiography Style uh, Writing by Will Wheaton. Nisreen, I want to get into something that is out there now. It is uh, Macmillan Audio uh, related because they've released an audiobook version of the Supreme Court abortion ruling. So we're not just talking about the most recent, but but actually three key Supreme Court abortion rulings. So this is from Publishers Weekly. Um, this specific article that I'm going to highlight, and it's by Natalie Abi Beek released on July 12th, 2022. So, in the wake of the Supreme Court's June 24th ruling on abortion, Macmillan Audio is releasing an audiobook version of three key cases. The title, Dobbs v. Jackson, recordings of the uh, Supreme Court, Decisions and dissents in Dobbs v. Jackson, Women's Health Roe v. Wade, and Planned Parenthood v. KC. This includes readings of the justices' opinions along with an intro- uh, introduction by public policy specialist and former Pal- Planned Parenthood Federation of America President Faye Waddleton. So let's get into a little bit about this. Content development manager Michelle Altman, who shepherded the process, calls the project a huge team effort. The idea originated with Macmillan Audio marketing associate Claire Bay and senior manager of production Di Oldfield lining up the narrators. And Politico leaked the Dobbs draft on Monday, May 2nd, and they say on Tuesday, May 3rd. The team discussed the idea and confirmed everything with the legal team and basically began to review the the, uh, materials and assign the tasks immediately. To make the legal documents legible... For the narrators and for the listeners, of course, uh, Altman spent hours adding clarifications and moving citations into a separate file. And this file is included with the audiobook as a PDF. Ariel Blake, who narrated Patrice Colors an abolitionist's handbook, narrated the dog. Dub- Dobbs' decision and dissent, while social justice storyteller Imani J. Powers narrated the uh, opinions on the 1973 Roe v. Wade and 1992's Planned Parenthood of Southern Pennsylvania v. K.C. Altman describes... Almost round the clock editing, mixing, and mastering by audio engineers Tim Franklin and Sad Barrowan. The team also made a list of advocates who could write an intersectional, well informed, and measured introduction. And they said that Faye Waddleton was the obvious choice for this. She wrote the draft, came to Macmillan Studios to record. And although she recorded the introduction shortly before the Dobbs ruling, she was unsurprised by the decision. The article goes into a lot of detail on Waddleton's own opinions and where she stands with the advocacy of women's rights, um, as well as the decision on this case. And she calls for collective action and a measure of compassion towards one another. Uh, But Macmillan Audio, this is a really huge thing. So they're team is pushing to make these legal documents accessible in alternative format. And they finished the product in 16 days. And they say that the power and passion to have a product like this out in the world has been a huge motivator. And so I want to come to you Nisreen and talk a little bit about this Um, and just ask you, you know, how important do you feel something like this is to take a humongous ruling, first of all, but also humongous uh, piece of news uh, and happening that's going on in the United States and to say, we don't know if this is accessible for the community. Maybe the following, um, you know, just to, to the, the following of information, uh, but the actual decision itself and the documentation is not accessible to the community, so let's make it happen and make it happen in 16 days. That's a pretty huge effort on Macmillan's part. It is, and I'm shocked when you when you sent me that because, you know, I was hoping they did it sooner, but obviously 16 days, that's nothing. I'm really impressed with how fast they ended up making that accessible in general. This is not something small, so good on them. Yeah, and you know, you pointed out to something that I also felt, which is 16 days is a long time. Um, it feels like a long time because we're... It, Imagine how quickly the rest of the world is able to get into the nitty gritty of this court ruling, yeah. right? And everybody who yeah. needs it in audiobook is waiting 16 days. But then again, we lean into, but 16 days versus never having come out with that at all, never having considered mm. the community's need for this. I'm going to wrap it there. But as I said, Citing Publishers Weekly for this particular article and the gist of it. So you can go check it out there, uh, released on July fourteenth, 2022. I'm your host, Ramya Amudin, and let's get into a pause or play to kick off the next section of our audiobook discussion. So here we go. This title is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. A little bit of a familiar voice, I think. Released in 2020, and it is one of the top 10 trending books on audible.ca. So might as well check it out. From the Academy Award-winning actor, an unconventional memoir filled with ruckus stories Outlaw Wisdom and Lessons Learned the Hard Way about Living with Greater Satisfaction. Matthew McConaughey says, I've been in this life for 50 years, been trying to work out its riddle for 42, and been keeping diaries of clues to that riddle for the last 35. Notes about successes and failures, joys and sorrows, things that made me marvel and things that made me laugh out loud. How to be fair, how to have less stress, how to have fun how to hurt people less, how to get hurt less, how to be a good man, how to have meaning in life, how to be more me. Recently, I worked up the courage to sit down with these diaries and I found stories I experienced, lessons I learned and forgot, poems, prayers, prescriptions, beliefs about what matters, some great photographs, and a whole bunch of bumper stickers. I found a reliable theme an approach to living that made more satisfaction. If you know how and when to deal with life and its challenges, how to get relative with the inevitable, you can enjoy a state of success that I call catching green lights. So I took a one-way ticket to the desert and wrote this book, an album, a record, a story of my life so far. Hopefully, it's medicine that tastes good, a couple of aspirin instead of the infirmary, the spaceship to Mars without needing your pilot's license, going to church without being having to be born again, and laughing through the tears. It's a love letter to life. It's also a guide to catching nor green lights and to realizing that the yellows and reds eventually turn green too. Good luck. That's literally how he ends the synopsis. So... Going around the table, starting with you, Nisreen, pause or play on this title. I liked it. I liked the synopsis. I feel like I would like any book that has some type of lesson within the book. And it's teaching us about life lessons and the experiences through it all. So um, I'm going to say I'd hit play. Okay. Yeah, the synopsis was very poetic. I think you got a lot of Matthew Mahoney's personality uh, in this tease of a book. Jeff, over to you. Pause or play on this one?
0: Well, I would definitely hit play because I've already got it in my list of titles to read.
1: There you go. <laughs> that's too easy. Okay, why did you put it in your list of titles to read?
0: It was, uh, I think I saw it when it came out. Um, and I clicked on uh, the uh, the sample for it. And uh, if you like Matthew McConaughey's voice, I think that's yes. reason enough to get it.
1: Oh, hell yeah. I mean, it is human narrated on uh, Sila Library anyway, uh, and on Audible, self-narrated by Matthew. And, you know, he's one of the voices for Calm on the Calm app. And I'm like, this is great. We just, we got to get him everywhere on our public transit and all of this stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good point. Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, released in 2020. If you want to check it out, we're all hitting play. I'm also hitting play, just simply because of his voice. But I love his personality in here, too. So we're checking in with an avid audiobook listener, opening up the space to review, discuss, recommend, browse, conceptualize, and reminisce on audiobooks. And the voice that we just heard is that of Jeffrey Rainey. Jeff. Uh, I've known you for a while, but we haven't talked too much audiobooks, so I'm going to start with this question. What kind of books did you like growing up?
0: Uh, apparently books that were above my reading level, apparently. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> um, I would get a lot of books sent to me from the CNIB uh, on tape, and I would listen to them. Uh, I think some of them that, I don't know if I could categorize them, but obviously children's books, um, but I would say Different Dragons by Gene Little, a lot of Gene Little no- uh, novels and books. I was actually given one to read over a summer that was called Charlie's Point of View by a author named Richard Scrimger. And it was about a uh, two friends going into junior high school. Uh, one is blind, the other one is sighted. And it basically shows... Uh, I'd say about a week in the life of these two children and their friends as they go throughout. um, Well, I'm not going to spoil the plots, but what's interesting is that the blindness really comes secondary, secondary to the story. Mm. And it's kind of done in a Pixar sort of way where, There is a lot to learn about it, especially if you're someone who's never interacted with a blind person before, but it's so engulfed in the story that you're not actively focusing on. It's not like, oh, an inspirational story about this blind, you know, teenager who solves a detective story that involves his father. You know, it's much more nuanced than just like, you know, picture it's your first week. Think back to going into grade seven or eight in, uh, in, uh, in school and, you know, just hanging out with your friends and all of a sudden something comes up that requires your attention and you're the boisterous new friends that you got to go solve this thing
1: that's interesting so the the plot itself is so engulfing that sometimes you or most of the time you're not necessarily paying attention to the disability side of things
0: yeah or they are just they just become pieces to the puzzle as to how he'd go about doing things or Mm. the reactions he might get to people in class as he's you know typing on a on a i think they called it the louis light or something instead of the braille light at the time and mm-hmm. you know i think you know they they called the program that he was using for google uh for for using the computer pause instead of jaws so you know it's nothing that it's not like it's factual but right it is very you know
1: fun play on words though i like it it okay. is so when did you figure um That Somewhere along the lines, because, you know, as a teenager, I read like this genre more. And then in my 20s, I started to dabble into this type of read. Uh, Do you have a a recent or the most recent you can remember shift in interest in what you like to read?
0: Yes, I think that the most recent shift. So I've always enjoyed stories about people. uh, Memoirs, nonfiction stories, even sometimes just recounts of history. But most recently I've noticed that I look through my titles and I've been reading a lot more books on people in professional sports uh, whether if it's recent or in the past um, and I think that just kind of it goes to my ever more increasing interest in watching and listening to and becoming a fan of sports they were mm-hmm. not something I grew up with I was always a musician and still am you never lose it but here's this here's this other thing that's now taking up you know my time and my my discussions with people and you know, apparently
1: the books that I read. Right. And and the books are still people-oriented, though.
0: So it's Absolutely. Professionals.
1: Okay. And what do you find um, the most engaging or one of the most engaging parts about that? Like, in instead of a YouTube video on the manager of this team going into a book written about him or that he wrote himself,
0: Actually, sometimes a YouTube video is based on a promotion, is is a promotion of that book. So you hear someone talk about it and uh, you think, oh man, like this is great. You know, I want to go read the book for number one, either because they, you know, they're a really good narrator. Number two, they've got a good story to tell. Sometimes I would pick up a book, like say, for example, uh, there was a book written by a former general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers called uh, The Big Chair, mm-hmm. which is all about being a general manager of a team, which is not something you think about when you're cheering in the stands. Well, sometimes you are if your team is losing, but by and large, you're not really thinking about the behind the scenes of it. And uh, here's a book all about that. Um, I think it's just the fact that you can you can cover maybe, let's say, t- a, you know a book, book tour might be 20, 30 minutes on YouTube or then there might be an interview on it on the radio or something, but you can only cover right. the you know the basics of that. Whereas if you want to go into the nitty gritty, you want to hear everything. Yeah.
1: and the background. Like we recently finished a book um, for the Kelly and Company book club um, uh, on Brian Burke's, uh, like Burke's Burke's Law. Right? Law? Yes, exactly. Fantastic um, book. Such a good book. Such a go- now you know what I enjoyed his narration more than I thought I would when I heard the sample, <laughs> but because um, <laughs> he's got that gruff personality in his read right so it's super fun but the the thing is like the background and I'm I am in no way uh like in tuned at all with many sports and when I read this book the the parts that really intrigued me was his background was knowing how he got there from the ground up and um it really fascinated me because you get the person out of the sport and that's um that was a very interesting. That, story.
0: Absolutely, the, the the people involved in the team. It all comes down to people running the operations. You know, the people Pretty on much. the ice, the people in the offices, the people that, you know, that you work with among your career, and just yeah. sometimes, just um, decisions are based on emotion
1: exactly. or
0: preferences for people. And um, I, I I hear what you're saying too. I mean, especially the book. I think he kind of went through the first section, not to spoil it for anyone, but. The, the It kind of starts off slow just because it's just kind of recounting his childhood and it's like, okay, okay, is it going to be like this for the rest of the life? Yeah. No, 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 it picks up right away.
1: It does. It doesn't even that with the childhood stuff, you saw him fail, right? Like, it's interesting because you note these people for who they are today, how big they got their absolute, you know, their accolades and and all of this. Uh, but When you get to the book, you're like, wow, he didn't even know if he could continue in hockey. Like, he wasn't picked and uh, he didn't make it and he was in trouble all the time. Like, all that stuff is, uh, to me as a non-sports person, um, one of the big parts of it. But you're right. The emotion part of it is super ironic because sports, you don't always think about that, right? You don't always think about the emotional side of um prepping and and dealing with the people drama and all of this. But uh, that those are the huge things that come up when you're reading. So this was not at all, um, this is an interesting part, but I want to get to your current recommendation. So something that you reread recently, but specifically I want to talk about the author. Um, so tell us the book and tell us the author that you want to chat about a bit.
0: Um, <clears throat> the book I had just recently read, it came out, it probably came out about a month ago. It's called The Social Distance Between Us. And it's written by a um, Scottish commentator, writer, and documentary make, filmmaker uh, named Darren McGarvey.
1: Okay. And the book is The Social Distance Between Us. And this was a reread for you.
0: No, actually, this was this was a book that had just come out. I just saw it about a month ago. Or no, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay.
1: Ago. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so uh, have you read it? What do you think?
0: I just finished it yesterday and just before okay. just before the uh, you know the invite I I just put it down because I'd been reading it on and off there were a couple of days where I had not you know where it was a quiet day and I would read chapters upon chapters and then there were days where I would you know read little bits of it and then I'd fall asleep to it a couple of times I have to go back <laughs> to find my position but no it is a fantastic book it's not Even a reflection is... on the book right no it is not a... no just because I fell asleep to it is not a reflection on the book you know he was not tuning it out. Uh, That's just me being tired. Uh Uh, I always have to have something on in the background, but it's about um, really just the, the pandemic is, is probably, is probably what brought everything to a head, you know, to write it, but it was, it it delves into the, the different, if, if I had to say his writing is very much based around class, you know, um, you know social class economic class you know going, growing up in poverty versus growing up in in wealth but also just the way that um in some ways the inherent biases in our systems of governance whether intentional or not and even though it's based around britain and the united kingdom specifically th- there are many parts of it that just resonate across across uh everywhere really
1: and i'm curious um Not necessarily your take on his his social commentary, but um, in what ways he makes it interesting?
0: Because I would say I would say it's not partisan. It's also that's That's tough because it's really in some ways just a good read.
1: Mm.
0: It's very informative. It's 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 like having a good teacher. If I had to put it that way, it's like you have a great. You might not be the best. You know, say for example, you have a science class or you have an English class. You have a really good teacher. You know, it might not have been your best subject before, but now it's something you want to show up to every day because you've got this really involved teacher that uh, is really a passionate about what they're teaching, but b cares about your uh, your understanding and wanting you to do well. That's kind Mm -hmm. of that's kind of the the way I got. And I'd actually heard about him through, I think. I don't even remember how I found out about him at first, but I'd found his YouTube channel originally, and then I'd found out that he was involved in all these side projects and that.
1: Yeah, he seems to do a lot with his time and um and energy. And um, you know, going back to your comparison of just having a good teacher, uh, a follow up question: Does he put himself in the the scenarios? Is there a lot of opinion based commentary, or is a lot of it just you know talking about what is happening? And you mentioned nonpartisan, so showing all sides of the situation.
0: There is opinion in it. He will, He is very, uh, very conscious of when his opinion is getting into it. There's in some ways like disclaimers without being disclaimers.
1: Right, right. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, I mean, he himself comes from a working class family and neighborhood and township. But I think it's always followed him around. And especially since he's moved on and here he's moved... He has developed a career working with um, all different groups of people. like code switching is something he's talked about for <clears throat> excuse me many years now, you know, going from you know going from a uh, uh, going from let's say what we'd call question period in the House of Commons or in Parliament to you know a uh, a rehab clinic or a you know or a a jail cell where in his you know just in a neighborhood next to his hometown and and communicating and talking with some of the inmates there and just the way that the ways that you communicate with these people, whether you think about it or not, are inherently different,
1: yeah, and then to be able to relay that to someone who has no experience um with that would be quite the task, huh? it is okay. Well, that's really interesting, and you know, I, I got to say, um, talking about this type of content, Jeff, in a world where right now we're we're a, a lot of the time, especially in media, talking about misinformation, um, knowing how to check your resources, and and really make sure that you're getting to the right stuff in your social media feeds in your google searches in your news outlets like all kinds of things right um somebody shares something with you and you have to be able to notice whether it is peer reviewed content the right information at all uh, truth you know truth or lie like as basic as that and so for you to you know look into someone um like Darren McCarvey and uh read something like this and really get a lot out of it I think is uh it we don't really think about it that way um because so much information is so attainable now online so to kind of get into a deeper way of doing that through reading a book like The Social Distance Between Us is a different approach I think.
0: Yeah, that is another part of it too. In terms of, you know, the pandemic and uh, the uptake on vaccine on vaccines and of uh uh just uh reception and obedience to public policy is part of that. And like you said, separating fact from fiction uh or you know, or even fact from opinion or is, is a big part of it too, and absolutely.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week, Jeff. This is really interesting, and I uh, hope that we get to chat with you soon for more recommendations. I appreciate your time.
0: Thank you. I'd love to be on.
1: For sure. Jeffrey Rainey joining us on today's edition of AMI Audiobook Review. We'll be back next week with another guest and more recommendations. Until then, happy audiobook listening. This was an
0: AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.
1: Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.